Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Welcome in. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. We have got a loaded first hour for you today. Lane Kiffin, head coach of Florida Atlantic University, is going to be with us for almost the entirety of hour one. That's right, Lane Kiffin, no holds barred. I can ask him anything. Almost the entirety of Lane of, of hour one here on Outkick the Coverage. I think you guys are going to love it. Just so you know, get excited. Wake up your friends. Let them know Clay Travis and Lane Kiffin, no holds barred. One hour, entire first hour of this show. Wake up all your friends and family. Text them. Let them know. It's going to be good. We're going to talk about everything. So that's going to happen. But I want to start here and go ahead and hit this top story before we get to Lane Kiffin. And that is, I was stunned. Last night when the Warriors went down 22, I'm going to be honest with you, I rolled over and I went to sleep. It was about 10, 15 Eastern, 10, 30 Eastern. And I said, man, I, I really don't think the Warriors are going to come back in this game. And I went to sleep. First thing that I did when I woke up, 4 a.m. this morning, my time, 5 a.m. East Coast, grab my phone, look at it, and I see that the Warriors have won by 12 points and now won nine games in a row. They're coming off back-to-back road wins over the Rockets and over the Spurs, and I'm starting to wonder, do they even need Kevin Durant? Durant's going to be back, but they are clicking on all cylinders right now Everything is going perfect. They're the exact opposite 
of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I'm starting to think that they are going to run roughshod over potentially everybody all the way through the playoffs. They look rested. Everything is coming into full fruition. This win, coming back from 22 down on the road, it honestly psychologically counts to me as if they had won two or three in a row over the Spurs. I think this is massive. I think this is huge for the Warriors. And I'm at the point now where I think they should be prohibitive favorites. They now have home court, basically, throughout the entirety of the playoffs. There's only seven games left. Six of those are at home for the Warriors, so they're going to get a lot of rest down the stretch on this this season. And I just don't see any way that anybody is able to challenge them right now. They're the exact opposite of the Cavs, who I think could have substantial challenges throughout the playoffs. The Warriors are surging. I think you got to give Steve Kerr credit. Whatever he has done, they have come off the mat after losing three in a row and looking like they were a beaten team. Now the biggest concern that I have is how do you integrate back Kevin Durant into the lineup? Do you even want him? Do you even need him? I think down the stretch you probably will. I think integrating Durant back in the lineup probably leads to a couple of extra losses as they kind of figure out how to make sure that everything is going perfectly by the time Durant is back and running uh, full speed. But man, what an incredibly impressive performance on back-to-back nights winning in Houston and in San Antonio. It's possible. I don't think it's a ridiculous argument to make right now that San Antonio and Houston right now are the second and the third best teams in the entire NBA. I think it's very fair to argue that right now both San Antonio and Houston are better than the Cavs. And if that's true, and I think there's a decent chance that it is, that means that the Warriors have just beaten the second and third best teams in the NBA in Texas, on the road, in back-to-back nights, right as they roll into just about the start of the NBA playoffs. That's seismic. That's massive. That's impossible to understate the significance of. Danny G and Robert, are you guys with me? Do you see this as as big of a win as I do over the Spurs? Uh, If I'm a Spurs player, this loss is going to bother me for a couple of days, definitely. But I think the Spurs are a resilient bunch, and obviously they have really good leadership. So I I don't think it's going to really mess with them too bad headed into the playoffs. What's more surprising is how the Warriors can just kind of sleepwalk through the first half of games and then suddenly fire up like that in the second half. I'm the same as you, except I woke up for the second half of the game. I took my nap after the first quarter because it was like 33-17 to 17 after the first quarter. And I was like, all right, I'm going to take my little nap here before I go to the studios. Then I woke up in the third quarter. I'm like, what the heck is going on? It's just amazing that they can, like I say, just be asleep at the wheel like that through the first half of these games. They were down 23-3. to three. And one of our bosses, Scott Shapiro, tweeted out, you know, like the the scoreboard. And I'm sitting there watching it. And uh, and I tweeted, I think, you know, the the Spurs may regret that missed extra point come the fourth quarter. And they didn't even need the missed, missed extra point, like a football score. And uh, the, the for the Warriors' credit, again, I'm I'm just stunned by how good they are. All right, if you're just waking up, alarm's just going off. I want everybody to know Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is with us. This is the longest sit-down interview I think that he has ever done. He is with us for the rest of hour one. The new head coach of FAU, the former head coach of USC 
and also the University of Tennessee, as well as the Oakland Raiders. He is going to be with us throughout the entire hour of this first first hour of the show. Make sure you wake up your friends. Let them know, wow, Lane Kiffin, Clay Travis, you're going to want to listen to this. We're going to hit everything and make sure that your friends and your family know because, man, Joey Freshwater about to roll into studio and hang with us here for the next rest of this hour. I am Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage. Up next, it's Lane Kiffin time here on Outkick the Coverage. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, introducing new Duralast GT brake pads proven tough from the tracks to the streets because when you need to go fast, sometimes you need to stop even faster. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Welcome into Outkick the Coverage. Joined now by the newest head coach of Florida Atlantic University. He's a guy that a lot of you know. You've watched him at USC, Tennessee, the Oakland Raiders. He is Lane Kiffin. Lane, appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Clay. You said you're walking around looking at yachts right now down in Boca. That doesn't sound like it sucks on your way into campus. What was it about FAU that made you say yes? Well, it really was the people, first off. Um, you know, the, the president, the uh, the people that were in the interview process around the program, you could see that, um, you know, they really were committed to doing this different than what they had done before. Um, you know, they, they weren't happy where the program was and really wanted to commit towards a winning football program. So um, that was great to see. And then uh, the weather doesn't hurt, too. You know, uh, live down in Boca is pretty nice as well. You uh, got your first head coaching job with the Oakland Raiders when you were 31 years old now. You're only 41 now, but you've been a head coach of the Raiders, USC, Tennessee, and now you've been at FAU. You also obviously were offensive coordinator at Alabama. If you could go back in time and talk to 31-year-old Lane Kiffin, what would you want to tell yourself as you started that Raiders job? What have you learned over the last decade? Oh, that'd be a long conversation. <laughs> um, there's so so many things. I, mean, I think about that all the time. You know, the age thing, as you mentioned, and I actually wrote down the other day. I was just sitting there and making some notes. I mean, I wrote to myself. I said, I wrote restart, and and I said, you know, you are 41, so if let's say when you were 25 or something. You know, as you started in this profession, a lot of people don't get get a head job till they're in their 40s. So I said, you know, look at it as um, I'm always pretty positive. By the way, I look at things, look at it as a positive. Okay, you're 41. You're Division One uh, head football coach at a place that um, you know really wants to start winning and kind of at the bottom. Uh, you may have said at 25 or 24, or whatever. You may have said, okay, I'll take that. You know, having no idea what. You know, just figuring that you would have been working your way up the whole time, not kind of going backwards at it. So um, I look at it as I got a chance to be the coordinator for two of two of the best, maybe the best five football coaches in the history of, of all, you know, in college and pro sports. So I got to do that, and now I get a chance to be head coach again. So um, I'm pretty excited about it. We're talking to Lane Kiffin. Lane, when you left Tennessee, if you go back in time, does any part of you ever wish you had not left Tennessee and stayed there? And if you had, what do you think your career would have looked like if you had never gone to SC? I don't usually look back. So I really, when I used to get that question, you know, the first couple of years after leave, I never thought that way. Um, I really didn't ever allow myself things like that until I was, um, until we'd go back there and play. That's about the only time that, you know, it was 
it was almost impossible not to think, you know, what could have been. And people bring it up all the time, you know, whether it was coaches on that staff, you know, or people that I've seen, you know, around the Tennessee program since then, you know, man, how great we were recruiting and where the program was going. And, you know, it had some, some good wins that year, you know, Georgia and Spurrier at South Carolina and some really competitive games. And so I did allow myself a little bit there, but that was post-USC because of the sanctions. So I don't know that you could ever say, boy, I shouldn't have left because no one knew, you know, you're going to lose 30 scholarships. And you can't, you know, you, you know, you can't have a program winning 10 games a year doing that. And so I think we still did maximize the you know, situation that we are in there, losing the 30 scholarships, two-year bowl ban, all of our juniors to transfer. We went 28 and 15 and left the program, which I think somebody said the other day, since the 10 win season when we were there, you know, they've had three 10 win seasons the last six years, you know, going through and coming off of, you know, almost a death penalty. How did you end up deciding on FAU? There was a lot of talk that you got an opportunity to coach with LSU as an offensive coordinator. Did that offer actually happen? Could you have been the offensive coordinator at LSU and maybe made more money than you did it than you're making at FAU right now? Well, I definitely would have made a lot more money. <laughs> but I always say, you know, again, you know, you ask that 31 to 41-year-old question, you think different, you know, when you're older and you don't make decisions as much maybe that you would have when you were young based off of money or chasing this or bigger program, these things, and you find out what you really want to do. I would have, you know, it would have been great to, to coach with Ogeron again. Uh, I got great respect for him. I really do believe they're going to do great things there. Uh, I, I think they're going to championships there. Um, he's got a great roster. He's a phenomenal recruiter. Um, you know, sounds like they hired a, a really good coordinator in offense. Um, so he got a great coordinator, maybe the best, one of the best co- defense coordinators in all of college football um, there. So I think he's going to do great. So, yeah, that would have been exciting. But, you know, when it came down to, like I said, the people that were here, the location, the ability to recruit, you know, I know it sounds kind of strange. I've said it before, kind of, it's kind of got a miniature USC feeling to it, you know, because of the beach, the weather, how nice it is, the campus, you know, so the ability to recruit, you know, where you recruit around the country, they want to come, they want to come here because they want to come live here. So um, there's a little bit of really good academic school, so very, uh, kind of a smaller version of it. You just came from Alabama. Are you the first person in the history of mankind to move from Manhattan Beach, California, to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, voluntarily? I said that before. I really <laughs> did say that. I said that before. <laughs> I said the hardest recruiting job I ever had to try to do was to try to convince my wife to move to do the same move. I said I always joked her. I said, you know, I found it interesting when we left Tennessee to go to uh, Manhattan Beach. You didn't mention. You know, have to take the kids out of school or anything like that, or pack in the house. I said, you, you, you got on the Mercedes jet that night. <laughs> never went back. And I said, I said, then I try to get you to move to Tuscaloosa. I brought you about six times. And uh, they're like, yeah, you know, the kids are in school. Maybe you know, let's see how this year this year goes. <laughs> and then you get a year or two. Well, let's see, let's see how this year goes. Let's, you know, you might get a head job. <laughs> It uh it is it is fascinating to look at your career trajectory. Um, when you're when you're with Alabama and you're with Nick Saban, did Nick Saban ever say something that was funny enough to make you belly laugh and you weren't laughing at him just because or with him just because he's your boss? Like what is Nick Saban like in private? I feel like he's a total enigma, a total mystery. 
What's he actually like on a day-to-day basis? You mean the head coach laugh? It drives me nuts when assistant coaches do that. Uh, everybody like, does that, right? The head like, coach makes a laugh. joke, and you don't even know if you're funny, like, but everybody just laughs because they owe their job yeah, to you. I'm like, yeah, so like our assistant coaches would be laughing, and staff would be funny. That wasn't funny at all. Like, <laughs> like the head, head coach laugh. Um, yeah. uh, coach does have um, a little sense of humor more than you would think. I think you see it once in a while in, in you know some of his press conferences. Um, so uh, belly laugh, I don't think so. But um, but laugh, yes. We're we're talking to Lane Kiffin. Um, what happened at Alabama? When did you find out that you weren't going to be the offensive coordinator? I know you've gone over this somewhat, but a lot of people are still kind of fascinated by what happened in between that Washington game after you accepted the FAU job and before they played Clemson, the Alabama Crimson Tide. When did you find out you weren't going to be coaching as an offensive coordinator in that game? Oh, let's see the. The next day we came back from the Washington game. We were in the office and um, started going over um, some discussions, uh, myself and him, and then um, kind of kind of tabled it for the night and then came back the next day. And then, um, you know, we came to that, you know, we were going to, you know, avoid the distractions of trying to do both jobs. And, um, you know, he was going to go on uh, the way he wanted to. We're talking to Lane Kiffin. Did you do you think that Alabama would have beaten Clemson if you had been the offensive coordinator in that game? Not because you necessarily think Sark did a bad job or, or that the coordination wasn't as good, but just because you had been on that sideline for almost three years, three full years at that point. You knew exactly what you were doing. And to be frank, Clemson scored with one second left in the game. It literally couldn't have been any closer. Do you think Bama would have won that game if you'd been on the sideline? I don't know that. You know, I mean, there, there's no way to know that. And um, Sark was put in a very difficult situation, um, you know, whatever it was, a week, eight days or whatever, and now all of a sudden you're calling the game. Um, so, like you said, it's the hardest one to – if you tried to figure that out, you're talking about one play, you know, so one different play here. Um, and it, if it would have been different, and had I been there, would that have meant we would have went, would have won? If that is the case, I don't know that. It wouldn't have been to do with anything like about Sark. It would have just been to do with the comfortable, the players being comfortable of what they know. You know, that's the face. You know, that's the every time. I mean, Jalen, every snap he's ever, every series he's ever played, he's come off and sat there and gone over it with me and had me to help him through, you know, situations. And so, um, especially for a true freshman, that's kind of a kind of difficult situation to be put in. So did it surprise you when that happened? Like, were you stunned? I mean, you've seen a lot in your time as the as a coach in college football and in the NFL. You've seen all sorts of crazy things happen. Is that the most surprising thing that's happened to you in your head coaching career, that you didn't coach that final game in the national title game? Uh, that, that was um, – that's up there. I've had some crazy things happen. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so that one was really – you know, I kind of – as I was – Watching the game right before kickoff, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, wow, is this, we've had a lot of crazy things. We've had overhead projectors. We've had, you know, couches being burned. Uh, we've had 4 a.m. on an airport tarmac. You know, we've kind of had a lot. This, this kind of, this is up there with it. You know, but it, it wasn't about me. It was about the kids. That's the part that, that was tough because the thing in Alabama that, those, I, I can't imagine kids work harder 
and sacrifice more for football anywhere in America than what they do there, you know, by the way that coach has them work. You know, that's the process. And, and what they do, what they do, they work so hard all year, all year round. One thing to get to that, to get to that point, and there they were, and they just felt like you weren't there to help them. Have you talked to Jalen Hurts since that uh, that title game? Oh, of course. Yeah, I called him next morning. Um, you know, and I just, I really, I want, I knew what was going to happen. Um, you know, there'd be so much, you know, blame on him. And and Coach Saban used to say, he said the thing, you know, he was always. You know, hesitant about starting a, a true freshman at quarterback, and you know, I didn't really understand why. He said, you know, it's a Alabama thing as well because there's so much attention and focus on Alabama football by every person in that state, everywhere you go. That if you do good, it, you know, they're going to hear where they go, how great they are. But if you do bad, it's going to be the opposite. And so I was worried about that for him. You know, just even going back to class and students and walking around campus and everything. To remind him that that they don't listen to any of that. You're the SEC offensive player as a true uh, SEC offensive player of the year as a true freshman. I think Herschel Walker was last one maybe um, to do that. And they're going to st- talk about this one game and, and everything. That's not what you did was amazing. You know to go. You know you were you were undefeated as a starter and took your team to the national championship one play away from winning. Um, you know, that, that that doesn't happen. More with Lane Kiffin here on the flip side, but first, let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio studios, brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And I always want to remind you guys, if you think a train will stop, if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right. It will about a mile after it hits you. Stop. Trains can't. We're talking to Lane Kiffin. I worked with Matt Leiner, a guy you know pretty well, for multiple years at Fox, and he loves you. He's like, man, I love Lane. I think he gets a bad rap in the media. Why do you think the perception of you, because a lot of people I've talked to who know you personally, they're like, I think I like Lane Kiffin. Like, he's a good dude. Why do you think you have the perception of being an ass in the national media? <laughs> nice word. <laughs> um, I, I think that that's, you know, a I don't know exactly why, and I don't really worry because what you said is exactly what I worry about. I worry about, you know, what do people say that worked with me or been around me? What do they say about me? Not people that have not done that, don't know me, and just write articles, you know, or or just go off and say whatever they want about me, and they don't really even know. So, um, and people write things that aren't aren't true. I mean, that's that's what it is. What it is. So, I will. I would like to think that the people that I work worked with, worked um, for me, or been around me a lot, um, say very different than what is out there of people that don't know me. Is part of it that you got a job at 31 as an NFL head coach, you got a hot wife, your dad's an all-time great uh, coach, and people were jealous? Do you think there was any element of, like, this guy doesn't deserve all of this at such a young age? I'm sure I'm sure that's, that's part of it, you know, the, the you know, the normal, the guy at the same age, you know, is sitting there watching games and stuff saying, okay, wait, this guy doesn't deserve this because it was his dad or he's too young and hasn't been a head coach before, all those things, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm sure that's part of it. it does, I don't worry about it. It doesn't really bother me. Matt Leiner told me to ask you this question. Who wins? The best Alabama team you coached there with the Crimson Tide or the best USC team you were a part of coaching 
during the dynasty with Liner, Bush, and uh, and all that crew? Who's better? Which team was better? I'm going to shock you here. Is the game played at the beginning of the season, or is the game played at the end? Oh, that's a fascinating question. So which? let me let me go back on this then. Which Alabama team do you think was the best? Was the one that you just finished coaching? No, you, gotta, you, 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 you didn't answer that. I'm, I'm saying, when well, that's the game a, played? Is the game played as, like, the first game of the year, or is the game played as, like, the national championship? National championship game. USC wins it. Why does USC win it? Because look at Pete's bowl teams and how they play. And, you know, he goes six and one in BCS games, but he never loses. Um, you know, it's a Vince Young game. Um, now, at the beginning of the season, maybe not as much because that's how Coach was. He was They were going to be fresh at the end. You know, and then look at Alabama. You, no one wants to play Alabama to be in the year, you know. Because how how he has them ready to play at the beginning of the year, and then at the end of the year, you know, I think that someone said the other day, Coach Saban's one or two games over five hundred in his career in bowl games. Do you think that's because Saban just gets so much out of his team that the teams don't have as much left at the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, there's a good and bad to it. You know, there's um, the beginning of the year you don't want to play him because the camp's so hard, so tough, so physical. The off season. Um, you know, and I'm not. I'm not saying anything that real. You know, football people. You, you can look at results and figure it out. Look out. Look at the USC game. Well, it was 52 to six or something. You know, look at the way that the team's open. You know, he never loses. You know, I think maybe the A&M game and a couple of missed games. Other than that, he don't lose it. You know, at the beginning of the year, it's the only time he's ever going to lose is going to be an iron bowler. When you read about yourself, what's the wildest rumor you've read about yourself or seen that is 100% not true? Like you saw it and you were like, I can't believe that this is getting a lot of attention. What's the wildest thing that you've read about yourself? Because you, it's kind of interesting. You lived out in Hollywood. You know what celebrity culture is like. I'm sure you used to read Us Weekly or your wife did every now and then. And there were all sorts of crazy stories about celebrities all the time. Well, college football is a little bit like that, too. All sorts of stories now on social media can go viral. What's the wildest thing you've read about yourself and been like, that's 100% not true? Um, there'll be a lot of times where I'm not even in, like, that state. You know, somebody will say something about how I'll be some, you know, somebody will show me something. Hey, I can't believe that, you know, you got in this argument with somebody on this airplane in Denver last week. I'm like, Denver? I said, I ain't been to Denver in two years or something. So you get a lot of those, you know, or, you, you know, you get your – uh, your story where you write the Joey Freshwater story. That so you, on, on you've, never, you've never used the name Joey Freshwater ever in your life? No, I'm not. I've used Jimmy Chestnut. <laughs> when did you use Jimmy Chestnut? <laughs> I just kidding. I said that the other week, too. Something, they said, they said that the Joey Freshwater is the best thing I've ever heard. And I said, well, his friend's Jimmy Chestnut. That's kind of just as good. You need to – here's a suggestion for you. You need to – I know you did the video for FAU, right? You did the video yeah. for FAU. What happened in that video? Um, it worked. So it was yeah, intended to be. It was intended to be virally bad. Yeah, that's what I said to uh, Colin last month when when he was talking about. It. He's like, we talked about that for a couple of days. I said exactly. I said, would you ever talk about a normal FAU video for a couple of days? You know, on national radio? No, you wouldn't. So we uh, we found a way to get FAU in the news again. All right, I've got a suggestion for you. You need to do if you want to get a if you want to get a viral video going, you need to do the next viral video 
in a Joey saltwater jersey. Just get an FAU jersey made up. Saltwater, I like that. Put saltwater on the back and say, like, do your next version. Say, like, I'm Lane Kiffin here with FAU. And if you don't want to listen to me, then turn around and say, you better listen to Joey Saltwater, and it will go everywhere. I mean, I'm telling you right now, if you want to be a viral sensation, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm pretty crushed that you're saying you've never used the term Joey Freshwater before. I mean, that's an incredible name. That is a good name. The um, I did see, uh, after your article, I did see a jersey um, when we were going into a stadium. Um, girls wearing an Alabama football jersey uh, with freshwater on the back. Oh, Alabama fans loved it. Okay, um, I'd hire you for marketing down here. Get some good ideas. No, I'm telling you, if you do the Joey Saltwater idea, 100%. Let me ask you this too. So I, I'm I'm kind of interesting. I don't I don't know that we've ever had much of a conversation face to face. I'm sure you've read some of the things that I've written before, or heard some of the things that I've said. But I used to really dislike you, right? I mean, I didn't like the Tennessee situation, everything else. But I feel like we've kind of been on this evolutionary streak, and now I want you to succeed more than just about anybody in college football. Like based on the people I talk to, I'm rooting for you and everything else. Would you come on with us weekly during the season for FAU? Um, see, I, I think you. So you just said you just admitted that you fell into that category of writing bad things and disliking me, even though you didn't know me. A hundred percent. I'm admitting. Okay. I'm admitting that I have judged you based on not having a personal relationship with you. And honestly, <laughs> with what I do, and you probably do this too. Um, look, I'm in the business of talking about people all over the nation all the time, and the reality is I can't meet everybody, right? I can't have a personal relationship right. with everybody, so we all do this, right? There are tons of people listening to this show right now who hate my guts, Lane. This would probably shock you, and certainly it shocks my mom, but the people who hate me the most listen to this show the most, and I bet the people who hate you the most also make sure they never miss a game that you coach, right? That's kind of how it works. Hate is oftentimes even more of a powerful emotion than love when it comes to sports. No doubt. That's what ratings happen all the time but based off of, of people watching someone that they're rooting against more than what they're rooting for. So you dodged the question, though. Will you come on this week oh, during uh, the se- weekly? We pick a day. We pick a time. Like, we'll record it if we need to out of your time. I know with the process and everything else, your day may be scheduled all the time. By the way, would you answer the phone on a first ring if Nick Saban called you right now? You're on your cell right now. If Nick Saban called you during this interview, would you hang up with me and answer, or do you go to voicemail? Uh, I would go to voicemail because I'm in the middle of an interview, but uh, normally, uh, otherwise, I would answer, yeah. How, when's the last time you talked to Nick Saban? Uh, I've not spoken with him um, since uh, that day, whatever that was, two days after the Washington game. Zero I've conversation. Texted I've, I've texted him. I've not spoken with him on the phone, no. So if if Nick Saban retires in two years and the Alabama job came open, and you're really successful at FAU. Is that a job you would love to have, having spent three years in Tuscaloosa? I'm not getting into that, but obviously that's one of the premier jobs in, in football, one of the top five jobs um, that would be would be awesome to have. Um, but again, but <laughs> I would be not listening to how I was raised. I already, I already screwed that up once. My dad used to always tell me, don't ever take a head job and follow a legend because – if you study over time, almost every time the next person fails because they're always compared to the person before. Well, I didn't listen to him. I followed Pete Carroll at USC, so that wasn't very smart. So it probably wouldn't be real smart to follow Nick Saban. <laughs> Sam Darnold, have you gotten to watch him play very much? 
this talk that he would be the overall number one pick if he were able to come out this year, does he have the potential to be one of the best quarterbacks to ever play at SC and ever to play maybe in college football? Uh, he does, um, and, and I'm going more off of what Sark told me, you know, when we were um, talking about that game, you know, getting ready for the opener. You know, he was saying, he's like, I'm just telling you, they got this other kid. This guy's going to be a top 10 pick someday. And, um, and I, you know, we were kind of like in warm-ups. I was watching him, and he looked okay, you know, because he's kind of not one of those, not like Carson Palmer where he just, like, walks out there and warms you say, wow, look at that guy, you know, um, physically. And um, – He's like, I'm just telling you, watch. And sure enough, as soon as they started playing him, he started lighting, started lighting people up. So um, I, I've not watched him enough to make that assessment that he's the number one overall pick. But um, going off what Sark told me, you know, that he was going to be a top ten pick someday, that's a lot to say for a guy, you know, that was just coming out of high school. Final segment, FAU head football coach Lane Kiffin coming up with us next. Wow, big topics about how good Sam Darnold could be. More on Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Final segment, Lane Kiffin. When was the last time you talked to Sark, Lane? Uh, I talked to him, I think, a week ago or so. I talked to him usually probably every other week or something. Were you surprised that he took the the Atlanta Falcons offensive coordinator job? No, not at all. That's, um, you know, he, he's, he's going, he went through kind of well, very similar to me. You know, his kids are still in in LA like mine were, um, you know, and you, that's a tough, you know, you're living in Tuscaloosa, your kids are in, in LA, you know, it's hard to get, it's hard to get back and forth. You know, there's no direct flights, it takes, you know, it takes forever. And you end up flying, driving to Birmingham, flying over to Atlanta, going all the way back. And then you're working for coach Saban on his schedule, you know, which is, as we all know, very, um, time, time taking schedule. So, um, I was not surprised at all because in the NFL, you know, you have so much time off now with the, with you know, so little workouts in the off season with players that you're allowed to do, um, and you got a you know Pete Carroll disciple head coach, so you're going to have a lot of a lot of time off. So, um, you know, that decision didn't surprise me at all. He's going to see his kids, you know, 20 times as much now, you know, uh, because of the location and because of of the job setup. How would you compare? coaching with you said you coached with two legends Nick Saban and Pete Carroll how different were they how similar were they how was the experience for doing both uh they're completely opposite on how they do things but they're two of the best because they they have a philosophy that's very different from each other but they have it nailed and they would both tell you that it takes a while to do that that doesn't happen overnight you know um uh, both, you know, have coached for a long time. You know, like Pete said before, he got fired twice, and he really kind of came together and figured it all out. So, um, but they both have a philosophy, and more than anything, they both do what? They're both phenomenal recruiters. So what did all their teams have? Great players. Well, everybody says, okay, does that mean they're not great coaches? No, that's part of coaching is recruiting. So they, they were, I mean, unbelievable recruiters. Recruited totally different ways, but relentless at it and great players. Look at the that teams, you know, had more draft picks than that than any other teams. And now Alabama, you know, 
has just completely changed the SEC. Nick Saban changed the SEC because of recruiting. Because for the last five years, he signed almost all the good defensive players. So those guys that should be at the other SEC schools, you know, are sitting on Alabama's roster. And that's why, you know what, the, the second best SEC team what, had, was eight and four in the regular season or something. You know, so uh, it's, it's about their philosophy and it's about recruiting and getting great players. Was the SEC a lot worse, now that building off that, I just had to ask you this, was the SEC a lot worse in your second go-around coaching there in 14, 15, and 16 than it was when you were a head coach at Tennessee in terms of the overall talent and ability of the other teams in the conference? Oh, it wasn't even close. We were, that year at Tennessee, I mean, I can't believe, I can't imagine if the SEC was ever stronger from a coaching and a player standpoint. You know, uh, you know, you had... Spurrier, Coach Rick, you know, uh, and obviously Urban, uh, Coach Saban, Coach Miles. I mean, they, they were, it was all over, but just legendary coaches and great players. I mean, those teams, every week you had to go play that year, you had to go. Every, every team had some dominant front player every week, no matter who you were playing. What's your relationship like with Urban Meyer right now? Uh, good, good. I've talked to him a couple of times, um, you know, over over – you know, two years when uh, something here or there has come up. And, uh, he's been, uh, he's been if Alabama and Ohio State played in the title game next year, who would you root for? Alabama because of your relationship with the players? Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely Alabama. Um, I'm a big Alabama fan because of the players, uh, coaches, Coach Saban, and, and the fans. I say it all, all the time. I mean, the Alabama fans were awesome. The people there, I mean, everywhere you went, the energy, the passion, and then just, like, they genuinely, like, it, it, it used to amaze me, see, all the time, it would amaze me how many people, you know, when I was there would ask about, I mean, you just man, fans walking down the street, you know, ask about your family. You know, hey, are they moving yet? How are they doing? How are the kids? Hey, I saw, saw some pictures they were here last weekend. You know, um, really, really awesome people. Do you read your Twitter mentions? You mentioned your family. You put them up on Twitter every now and then. Do you actually go into Twitter and read your mentions at all? Uh, I do not. Uh-uh. You never have done it. No. Do no, you my read? Kid showed me. My kid showed me one time um, how to do that, and then I, I was like, we, we should stop. We should stop <laughs> these aren't. These aren't very nice. Have you seen? I, I got to ask you this too. While I've got you on, I appreciate it. this. Is Lane Kevin the? Uh, Kiffin, uh, the, the, the Tosh.0 skits, um, mm-hmm. uh, have you watched those? What did you think of them? I thought they were really funny. Has he ever them. asked you to come on the show? Would you go on the show and do a, uh, do a, a scene with him? I mean, you guys are basically twins. Uh, I think we talked about it one time. I think his people or producer or something was at, a, was at one of our games. Uh, maybe, I think it's Alabama SC game because they came to the SC or something like that. And... I think they thought I was going to be, like, mad at the skits or something. And I was like, no, they're funny. And they talked about it or something, but I didn't really follow up on that. You said that uh, rumor is, I want to see if this is true or not, that the year that you coached Tennessee, at midfield you met with Nick Saban right after the field goal was blocked by Mount Cody, and you said, we'll get you next year. Is that true? That is a true story, yes, that is. Does Nick Saban... But I, has, copied, I copied that from um, Harbaugh because I remember to uh, um, 
Harbaugh did that. The Pete, I think. So I, 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 it was not an, that was not an original idea. But you still get credit for it. Did Saban ever bring that up again? Do you think that helped you get the job? Did he like that, or did that annoy him? Uh, he did not. He did not ever bring that up. And last question for you. I want you on weekly. Will you come on weekly with us this year? You pick a date and a time. You come on for 10 minutes once a week during the FAU football season. Um, I will do that, but it's got to be shorter than this one. This is like an all-time record. <laughs> <laughs> I promise for sure. No more than one segment. I appreciate it. That sounds outstanding. All right. Sounds good. That is FAU head football coach Lane Kiffin. Sounded like he committed there. I think. Do you guys think so? Do you think he committed to come on with us? I think so. I think that's a commitment. I think we're going to have him on weekly during the FAU season. No telling how that will go. Could be pretty good. Going to give you an opportunity now to respond. You can react to that interview. Like Lane Kiffin said, it's the longest interview you ever did. Any questions you wish I'd asked, anything that uh, that stood out to you, 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage. Your reaction next on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. It's the longest interview Lane Kiffin's ever done. I'm curious if it changed anybody's mind about Lane Kiffin. I think I kind of hit him with every question I could possibly ask him, even if at times it sounded like he was being attacked, as several of you said, by the Blue Angels, um, which is pretty funny in and of itself. 877-996-6369 if you want to react to that interview. I also think interviews like that, where you have a long time to talk with somebody, really sound good on the podcast. Because they're not broken up. You can kind of follow the flow of the conversation. And if you came in part of way through, you're waking up, you're starting your day, and you just heard a part of the Lane Kiffin interview, I think it's pretty good if you go back and listen to the whole thing as well. So I would encourage you, as we always do, to go check out the podcast at, uh, at on iTunes. And as well, it's on Stitcher. It's everywhere. You can also stream, obviously, on FoxSportsRadio.com. But so many people demanding and requesting the show on iTunes. It's now up, Outkick the Show. Just search Outkick or Clay Travis, and you will be able to uh, to find the show. Jason Martin, did that interview change your impressions of Lane Kiffin at all? I mean, I never hated Lane Kiffin to begin with, but I think what I took away from it was that Matt Leinart is right. Uh, he played ball, and, you know, even in long-form interviews, there are ways to dodge questions and really – Lane attacked just about everything you asked him pretty much head on. He was relatively candid. He was certainly gracious with his time. That's more time than I think we expected to have with him. Uh, And he was good throughout, despite the fact that he was obviously walking on a beach and potentially in some kind of terminal somewhere there towards the end of it. He had airplanes flying and birds. It was was very, (laughs) very all-encompassing, I think. But I came across – I mean, I thought Lane came across really, really well. Like, I liked the guy. Like, I was like, hey, you know what? I could go out with Joey Saltwater and have a beer. Like, that guy seemed very not buttoned up, and he had every right to try and be buttoned up to try and change whatever perceptions are out there about who he is, and he didn't do that. I came came out thinking Lane Kiffin was an all right guy. I, I was pretty happy with it. I've said a lot of rough things about Lane Kiffin. Again, you can react to 877-996-6369. Over the years, I have not been that kind to him because, frankly, he's done a lot of things that are absurd and ridiculous. But I think we forget that he's still only 41 years old. So he said during that interview, 
several times, I think, you know, in the context of his age, most coaches get their first job around the age of 41. If whatever you do for a living, and I've been in the public eye for a while, I've done a lot of ridiculous things since I was, since I started in the public eye at about the age of 25. I don't know that I would change anything, but certainly I'm a different person at 37 than I was at 25. And I think if you're the exact same person throughout your life and you're not evolving, you're obviously not learning anything. I do think that 41-year-old Lane Kiffin has the potential to be a different kind of coach than 31-year-old Lane Kiffin was. A lot of you reacting on Twitter. Clint Starling uh, woke up an hour and a half early to listen to Lane, and it was phenomenal radio. Um, A lot of different reactions rolling in. Excellent interview with Lane Kiffin. I think you should take your marketing advice. Hashtag Joey Saltwater. Um, Great interview with Lane Kiffin. See people. He really is human. Sit down. Haters. Radio Gold. I'm just reading straight through, showing great poise, interviewing Lane Kiffin while attending a Blue Angels event. That was an awesome interview. So glad I was awake for that. Hashtag Lane Kiffin. Uh, A lot of you excited that Lane Kiffin, Andrew Schwartz, says Lane Kiffin agreed to be on Clay Travis Weekly. Uh, Get get busted coverage on there, and we could have a hell of a segment. Uh, Again, these are all just reading straight through. Great interview with uh, Lane Kiffin. And a lot of you also asking, is Lane Kiffin talking to Clay Travis while sitting on a runway? I'm just glad he didn't get hit by a train. Can you imagine the irony if Lane Kiffin had gotten hit by a train while he was on talking with us? Bottom of the hour, by the way, we're going to give you some gambling picks. Going to talk with our guy, Johnny Oddshark, John Campbell uh, at Oddshark. He'll be with us at the bottom of the hour to talk the Final Four and get you rich. I think also, and I've got to text him because he's on the West Coast to make sure that he is up and ready to roll. I think that Jason Whitlock wants to come on with us in hour three. We'll also play a, a cut of the Lane Kiffin interview for you guys again on the West Coast, uh, as the West Coast is waking up, there's obviously a lot of interest in Lane Kiffin there as well. Let's go to uh, Josh in Indiana. Josh, what's up? Hey, uh, you know, I'm just th- – that was a fantastic interview, by the way. You didn't give safe questions, and he gave real answers. That's why people hate Lane Kiffin, because he's real. I think there's some truth to that. I think Lane Kiffin has gotten into trouble before because he doesn't dodge questions. If you ask him Absolutely. a question, he tried to answer it. And, and that's why I like these long-form interviews. We're not going to do them all the time, but if you listen to the show regularly and go back, I mean, we've had a, a, a variety of different people that we've talked to for a decent amount of time. We talked to, of all things, the creator of Saved by the Bell, uh, Peter Engel, and you guys absolutely loved it. We talked to him for an entire segment. He was, he was unbelievable, entire hour. Uh, we talked to Ice Cube. Uh, recently when I've got somebody who I think you guys will have interest in talking to I understand the typical radio interview is like six minutes or seven minutes what I have always loved about radio and I've liked it uh, the the primary thing that I love about radio is in an era and you guys are starting to kind of get this the sense for this with OutKick in an era when everything is soundbited when everybody goes out there and they grab 30 seconds or they grab one sentence and they say oh, this is everything, right? This is this, and everybody reacts to the soundbite era. I'm a guy who likes context. I like to know what somebody said within the context of a conversation. I like to talk with people for a long time because I think you can leave radio having a better sense for what they're actually like. I worked in television. Uh, For instance, I sat down and talked to Jeb Bush. We did an hour-long interview with Jeb Bush, and it got condensed down to like seven or eight minutes. And what I love about radio is... If you talk to somebody for 30 or 45 minutes or longer, you can leave that radio interview saying, man, I have a sense for what that guy or girl is like. You have a good kind of idea what that person is like in a way that you don't from television 
in a way that you certainly don't necessarily from reading an article. Although if somebody's really good at writing, sometimes it comes through in an article. And I, I always love that opportunity if you get it to talk to somebody like that. The person who does this best of all, obviously, is Howard Stern. Howard Stern can sit down with somebody and have a long-form conversation. I'd like to start to do some of these in sports, 100%. Uh, Al in New Orleans. What's up, Al? I, I enjoyed the uh, the interview. A couple of questions that maybe I would like you to have asked him. At what point did the relationship start to deteriorate between Saban and Green Kiffin? Yeah, that would be a great question to ask. Yeah. You know, I don't want to put you on the spot. I mean, you, 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 know, you know what you're doing. I enjoy your show. I have a, but I listen to you. I have a feeling that I know you somewhat, which is important. Instead of you just showing up for work and plugging in a few, a few tapes. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I appreciate that, and, and you can continue. But I, I would just say this, too. Look, I'm a guy who always likes feedback. You know, you, you can criticize uh, me for a lot of things. But one thing is not that I run from opinions of other people. I love sure. you guys reach out on Twitter. You guys reach out on the show. Let me know what you want more of. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do here. Sorry to cut you off, Al. Oh, no, that's all right. And by the way, uh, there's no way in the world that, that Kiffin would have said anything negative about Pete Carroll. And he, he gave Saban a little dig. If you know Saban decently or somewhat close, um, Kiffin was just kneeling when he said he picked Pete Carroll. You remember when he said it was the beginning of the season or the end of the season? Oh, yeah, 100%. Try, tried to implicate that, that maybe Saban's teams don't get better as the season goes on. That's just, you know, he's, he's digging. I have a unique experience. I have season tickets to Alabama games and LSU games. So. I'm going back and forth, but but I so wait a minute. How in the world did that happen, Al? How did you end up with Bama and LSU season tickets? Because I'm down here in New Orleans, and I people down here, no matter what you hear, they don't hate Saban. They're jealous Saban's not coaching LSU. Yes. So I got one of my best friends on the athletic staff at LSU. I paid season tickets at LSU since the '60s. But then I like the way Saban ran things and the way he operates and things of that nature. And um, I just said I'm going to follow both of them as best as best as I can. And it's just, it's just two different methods. Kiffin and Pete Carroll will use the one be friends, the friendly method of, of recruiting. Hey, baby, how's it going? Let's go. Yeah, we go to the beach. But same as all this. This is what you're going to be doing. This is what you're going to be doing. This is what you're going to be doing. I think, personally, over a long haul, the saving method is better because you, you have to grow up with saving. You're not going to succeed at Alabama and move up if you're not ready to work. And if you've ever seen them work out, it, it, it's, it's like – Hand-to-hand combat. It's every play, every play counts. Um, and I just that, that that's how basically I go back and forth. But I enjoy it. Because let me tell you a, a cute story. Let's say you have a, you have a second. Oh yeah, sure. Let us know. Um, there was a great running back at LSU from Lafayette, Louisiana, named Allie Broussard. I remember him. But, but I'm just a tough, tough guy. And to make a long story short, he was running second or third team at the time. So his parents. Um, want to make have a, an interview with Saban to find out exactly what the situation is. So Saban sees him, of course. They go down there, and the, the father says, what does my son have to do to play more? He says, very simple, Mr. Bruce. So it has to be better than the guy ahead of him. Yeah. So the point being, there's no baloney uh, up there yes. at all when it comes to Saban. There's no, 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 no. That, I, also, uh, I also enjoyed the, 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 the bull record of Saban and how Kiffin got that in, just kneeling, just kneeling long enough. But whether you like Saban or not, or like Kiffin or not, Kiffin owes his job, where he is right now, to Saban. Saban saved his career, possibly. Would you agree with that? 100%. Lane Kiffin, I appreciate the call, Al. Uh, what about Al's accent? 
How awesome is that accent? I'll kick the coverage with Al, whatever your last name is, from New Orleans right there. Like five minutes with Al. He didn't even have to win the pool to get on the air for five minutes. People people say you cut callers off too soon. If you got accents like that, you got story. That's like an old school New Orleans accent. Yeah, it is. I can listen to that guy talk about anything. He could have come on and said, I'm just going to read uh, the uh, the menu from this Bourbon Street restaurant. I'd be like, all right, Al, you just read that restaurant menu. It's like our guy Hal out in Portland. Hal out in Portland came on. He did the radio uh, ad for the Don't Get Hit by a Train. Everybody keeps asking, when's Hal in Portland going to call back? Just because of his voice. If you're listening right now, Hal in Portland, wake up. Give us a call. 877-996-6369. Bottom of the hour, we're going to make you rich. We're going to give you gambling picks for the Final Four, which is coming up with us rapidly. Uh, in the meantime, we'll allow you to continue to react. We'll take your calls in the next segment. And then, like I said, John Campbell, Johnny Oddshark, we're going to tell you what we think is going to happen and how we'd like to play from a gambling perspective. Two very interesting games, Gonzaga against South Carolina on one side and obviously North Carolina going up against Oregon on the other side. It's the Carolinas against the West Coast, East Coast, West Coast feud. Hopefully it doesn't end in murder, unlike uh, the East Coast, West Coast rap feud. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage. And let me figure out what ad I need to do as we go to break. Oh, man, it's T-Mobile. This T-Mobile ad is like it challenges everything about the ad game. This This is a big ad. Tell me how you think I do. Here's a question. Do you like Major League Baseball? Of course you do. Well, then you need T-Mobile because they're giving away a free year of MLB.TV premium. That's $113 value, absolutely free, only for T-Mobile customers. And, oh, yeah, best part, T-Mobile 1 means unlimited data, means unlimited baseball. A lot of you stream this show on your phone, by the way, as an aside. Unlimited data is pretty fantastic if you're an OutKick fan. Here's how you get it. First, get T-Mobile, obviously. Second, download the T-Mobile Tuesdays app from the App Store. Third, and this is important, on April 4th, get your free year of MLB.TV Premium in the T-Mobile Tuesdays app. Remember, April 4th, get your free year of MLB.TV Premium through the T-Mobile Tuesdays app or go to T-Mobile.com backslash MLB. The top 3% of data users, that's over 30 gigabytes per month, may notice reduced speeds, activate HD feature, otherwise video typically streams at 480p, web-enabled mobile device and qualifying service required, Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission, Blackouts and other restrictions apply. See terms of use for details. Man, I need to smoke a cigarette after that. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage, 877-996-6369, here on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Jason Martin, you are headed to WrestleMania. Yes. I was you know what we're doing in the household right now. First of all, I'm gonna watch WrestleMania on Sunday. I haven't watched a WrestleMania probably in twenty years. I'm thirty seven, no longer than that, probably twenty five years. And my kids are absolutely obsessed with old school wrestling. So we're in the process of watching with my boys, the two oldest, nine- and six-year-old, although my two-year-old runs around like saying he's John Cena and doing the You Can't See Me Now as well. But we are watching old-school WrestleMania. So we watched Sunday night, or maybe it's Monday. I can't even remember. All the nights run together when you got kids and they're running around like crazy. But we watched WrestleMania three, mm-hmm. and my wife actually went to it. That's the one that was in Detroit in the yep. Silverdome. And uh, it had, like... I'm pretty excited about watching this thing. How many how many of these WrestleManias have you watched in person? 
Uh, this will be the second one I've gone to in person. I've seen them all, obviously, multiple times. I'm going to five events in four days, doing some interviews, doing a lot of periscopes each night uh, on my account at Jmart Outkick. We're doing a you know two-hour show here locally in Nashville as well. So it's, it's going to be connecting with some of my old friends from the business. I worked in wrestling for 10 years, so it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to Mania. I'm going to Raw. I'm going to Hall of Fame tomorrow. I'm going to the NXT show on Saturday night. I'm going to an independent show with some people that I know as well so it's uh it's a lot of fun wrestlemania has changed from what it used to be it used to be one event on sunday and that's it now it basically takes over the city it's in for the week every wrestling organization across the world brings what they can to try and maximize the exposure while the eyeballs are paying attention so it's going to be about a six-hour show on sunday and it's become i mean it's become just unbelievable yes six hours so is it outdoors Yes, it's at Camping World Stadium in Orlando this year. I knew it was in Orlando, but it's basically the Citrus Bowl. That's where they play the Citrus yes, Bowl every year, yes, right? Yes. So what do they do in the event of rain? Well, the ring itself, there's there's a deal above it that will protect the okay. ring itself. But usually they they've they've gotten lucky. It's never rained before at WrestleMania. Of course, my luck, maybe it will this year. But uh, it's it's definitely going to so be where a, a whole seats? lot of fun. Uh, my seats are for WrestleMania itself. It's like the first row in the upper level. I've got much better seats for the Hall of Fame, much better seats for some of the other events, but the the tickets right now in the secondary market for lower level stuff for WrestleMania are somewhere between $1300 and if you go up close to the ring 4 or 5000. So, you know, <laughs> people are a, paying 4 or 5000 oh, yeah. to be by the ring for WrestleMania. Yes. It's a big deal. It's become something a lot larger than I think Vince McMahon or anybody in professional wrestling on any level ever expected it to be. A lot of celebrities are going to be there. For some reason, Al Roker is going to be there this year uh, doing some kind of introductions during the John Cena mixed tag match. Uh, Flo Rida and Pitbull are performing live at the show. There's, I've you know, seen there's, both there's those, a lot going on. Amazingly, I've seen both those guys perform live before uh, yeah. at Super Bowls. I'm actually just really kind of fascinated to see what it's going to look like because, again, we're going through watching all the old school and we're at WrestleMania three right now, and that, again, that's the one that just took place in the Pontiac Silverdome, which I believe they've just decided to tear down. Uh, anyway, we'll get a good report from you. So you leave tomorrow to go to that. Actually, I'll leave tonight. Um, leave tonight to go yeah, down fly for multi out from days. Atlanta. And that's a grown man. You're single, right, ladies? He's single. He's going to WrestleMania for multiple days. Yeah, that's right. What percentage I, mean, I worked of, in the industry for ten years. It's what percentage you know, of, of people what percentage of girls? What percentage of the crowd is female at WrestleMania? Uh, they actually the women demographics have gone up a lot over the last five to ten years. Um, there are a lot more female fans these days than there ever have been before. Uh, I don't know exactly how the makeup would be, but I would say somewhere in the range of thirty five percent at least are female fans now. Danny G, Robert, are you going to watch WrestleMania on Sunday? No. Yeah, that's a no for me, Scott. <laughs> I'm. I. I mean, I'm going to watch because my kid. Uh, I'm going to watch because my kids. Uh, I'm not a grown man like Jason Martin who just loves men in tights. But, you know, it, it is amazing how many people are going to be watch. I guarantee, watching. I guarantee you a huge percentage of our audience listening right now is going to be watching at least one minute of this thing. Six hours is insane. I Actually, didn't know it was going to be six hours six. long. That's, that's, that's way too long. Yeah, two-hour uh, pre-show, four-hour, four 4.15, hour, four 4.20, something like that for the main show. So it's, it's definitely a long day for sure. 
All right, we started off the show talking about this. In the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to John Campbell from Odd Shark. I want to hit on this again. The Warriors come back. I went to bed. I didn't watch it. I thought the Warriors were dead. Uh, they were down 23-3. to They were down 22 points in the first quarter of the game. They came surging back, beat the Spurs in San Antonio by 12, effectively lock up home, feet, home court advantage throughout the entirety of the playoffs. And I, I think in general – solidify if there was any favorite to actually win the NBA championship. And given the way that the Cavs are playing, I think there's a strong argument to be made that the three best teams in the NBA right now, the Warriors, the Spurs, and the Rockets, potentially in that order, and the Warriors just went on the road and beat those other two teams back-to-back. I don't know, and without Kevin Durant, who, again, is going to be back at some point soon, they said that he played a one-on-one game against an assistant coach, so he's at least getting closer and closer to being back to on-court shape. I'm starting to think, and again, the NBA regular season, it's impossible to read, but I'm starting to think that the Warriors are just going to run roughshod over everybody in the NBA playoffs and that there's not going to be that much drama at all. You look at the defensive efficiency ratings from the Cleveland Cavaliers right now. They're the worst, I think, in the league over the last several weeks. I don't understand how in the world they're going to come in and suddenly go from playing awful defense against everybody in the NBA, many of those teams of which are mediocre, and suddenly they're going to shut down as explosive as an offense as there has ever been in the history of the league, assuming that Kevin Durant is going to come back in and actually be hitting on all cylinders. I just don't see it's going to happen. Um, I, I just I, I think it's crazy, and in fact, their deficient defensive efficiency numbers are the absolute worst in the NBA as a season average from the beginning of the season to the end. I, I I don't buy into the Cavs. I actually am of the opinion that the Cavs stand a very good shot to get upset before they even get to the NBA Finals. I'm not sure they win the Eastern Conference this year. We'll still see whether or not they have home court. Obviously, it doesn't seem like they care that much. They have to go on the road in Boston, the Cavs do. But I'm not convinced right now they're going to have home court advantage. And I certainly am not convinced, based on anything that's going on right now, that the Cavs in the NBA Finals are going to be able to do anything to the Warriors. It's amazing how the narrative would be different right now. The narrative about the Warriors would be entirely different, I believe, if Draymond Green never got suspended. If the Warriors go back in Game 5 like they were favored to do and beat the Cavs to end that series 4-1, to think about how much different the storyline of the NBA is right now. If that happens, then the Warriors cap off the greatest season in the history of the NBA with a championship. They're the two-time defending champs, and then they add Kevin Durant. There would be almost zero discussion about the Cavs. Nobody would have any belief whatsoever that the Cavs could win another championship. And all of the NBA discussion this year would have been about whether or not anybody could upset the Warriors, who are one of the best teams of all time. And that would be the discussion. Instead, the Cavs come back from the 3-1 deficit, and I think a lot of people out there believe that the Cavs are legitimately going to contend for the championship again. I'm not one of them. I don't believe the Cleveland Cavaliers have a chance right now to win the NBA title. I think that's the reason why LeBron is freaking out. I think that's the reason... Why LeBron has been perpetually triggered all season long, why everything has offended him, whether it's the use of the word posse, whether it's Charles Barkley saying similar things that he's always said. I think it's all growing out of the looming realization in LeBron James's mind that he has no shot with this team to win a championship this year. 
I think LeBron knows it. And I think that's where all of his angst is coming from. All right, speaking of angst, let's go figure out right now with my guy, John Campbell, what's going to happen in the uh, NBA final, uh, sorry, the college basketball final four coming up as well as the NBA finals and who's going to win and everything else. But first, let's figure out what's trending now. Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And I always am telling you, knuckleheads, what do you want to do? Don't get hit by a train. And let me go ahead and tell you how not to get hit by a train. I'll tell you. If you think a train will stop, if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right. It will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. John Campbell, he's at Johnny Oddshark on Twitter. He joins us now. John, we were just talking about the NBA situation, and obviously the Warriors go back-to-back. They beat the uh, they beat the Houston Rockets, and then they beat San Antonio Spurs back-to-back days. They look like a prohibitive favorite. They basically locked up home court throughout the NBA playoffs. How much of a favorite should they be as the playoffs loom in the NBA? Are they as prohibitive as I think they should be? Yeah, I think they are. They're they're minus one twenty five, and and uh, they could maybe be a little bit higher. I, the Durant injury may actually the best thing be the best thing that could ever have happened to them because Durant will come come back healthy and rested, and it looks like this team actually learned how to play defense while he was away too. So it's minus one twenty five. It could be probably a little bit worse than that. Yeah. So what about, on the flip side, the Cleveland Cavaliers? Is there any idea out there? I mean, we were just talking about how they're the worst in defensive efficiency and everything else that surrounds that. Is, is that a fair approximation that, uh, that, that we should be concerned about? Or is there a sense in the odds market that the Cavs are just sleepwalking through the rest of the season, and so it's hard to quantify any kind of value to their performance right now? No, I think they're struggling right now, and they're uh, plus 275. They're not even 3-1, to one, and, and I don't know how you could take them at that right now. And and I'm a big believer that defense wins championships, and, and they're running out of time here how to figure out how to how to play together and fix this defense and, and toughen up uh, because they're going to need to play tough if they're going to beat either the Spurs or the Warriors if if they meet up, if they get that far. That's pretty wild. So they're almost 3-1 to one now to win the title. That means that their odds have kind of collapsed, right? Because they were, if I remember correctly, 3-1 to one was not where they started the season, was it? Yeah, they've kind of been bouncing around between 2-1 to one and 3-1 to one, uh, throughout the season. So, so it's a surprise that they haven't really moved that much as poorly as they're playing right now. But I, I don't think the Spurs are getting a, a ton of respect at 6-1. to one. I know they have to play Golden State and they're in the West, but, uh, but I, I think they're better than Cleveland right now, a lot better. We're talking to John. I'm kind of fascinated by this because there have been a lot of gamblers complaining about the integrity of the game as it pertains to NBA teams sitting out, right? Top players Mm -hmm. sitting out of games. Because you hear the flip side a lot, oh, gamblers are going to ruin the integrity of the game, right? That's what Roger Goodell Mm -hmm. would argue uh, falsely. That's what a lot of other uh, commissioners have argued in the past. But this is kind of an interesting spin on things. Now gamblers are saying that the teams themselves and the players themselves are ruining the integrity of gambling because you don't know who's going to sit and who's not, and therefore it makes it almost impossible to set a value on how to gamble on the games. Yeah, I've always said what a joke it is that the leagues point their fingers at at the gambling community because they do a fine job of of, uh, ruining the integrity of the game themselves. 
And this is another example. I think the league behind publicly and behind closed doors is getting is starting to get pretty upset with what teams are doing here. And the Cavs, they're 0-6 with LeBron sitting out uh, because he gets too tired and, and can't play. I mean, if you know and if you can spot points in the schedule, you just wait for that for that line to come out and you go the opposite way and that's been that's been money in the bank and I mean, there there's so many other reasons why I think it's bad, but from the gambling from a gambling standpoint, it completely destroys the integrity of the game. And if you have that information, it's uh, it's pretty dangerous. We're talking to John Campbell. How how crappy of an argument do you think it is that Roger Goodell is still saying the NFL is opposed to legalized sports gambling when insanely they're now going to have a franchise in Las Vegas? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like it's like watching a child who who knows he's wrong, uh, holding his breath until he's blue in the face, just uh, just out of spite. And uh, it's pretty crazy going to Las Vegas. Yes, but we but we don't approve of sports betting, even though even though we know this is what fuels our our league. And uh, it's almost like the auto industry saying they don't approve of of the oil industry <laughs> as they make tons of cars. But it, it, it's just crazy. I did read something interesting this week, though, that uh, going back, the, the philosophy from the NFL isn't so much that it'll ruin the integrity of the game. It'll it, The appearance from the fans and the perception from the fans is that is that it will ruin the integrity. But I think that's garbage in, in today's day as well. It, everybody's way too educated on this to, to think that way. We're talking to John Campbell. Let's dive into the final four games now. I'm going to start with Gonzaga going up against South Carolina. South Carolina has obviously been a huge value if you've been able to play them throughout the NCAA tournament. I believe Gonzaga now is up to like a seven-point lead, at least the most recent time, a seven-point favorite, at least the most recent time that I checked it. What do you see here? Yeah, Gonzaga, six-and-a-half-point favor. The total's 138. Uh, I think we might see that one come up a little bit. And uh, Gonzaga, after jumping out this year and, and going 25 against the spread early on, uh, they're just 4-5-1 and one against the spread over their last 10 games. So we're seeing these lines inflated. I think this line might go up a little bit, and then we'll see late money push it back down on South Carolina. And I've been so impressed with the way this team is playing just swarming defense, and uh, I, I'm not sure how. I really think they're going to keep it close, if not win outright. They've already won four straight as a live dog uh, that way. So I think Gonzaga's in really tough. I love the way the South Carolina team rebounds as well. I, I think it is too many points. I'm taking South Carolina as well. They started the the, the tournament, I believe, 200 to one. That's pre-tournament. That's not preseason. Do you have any sense that there's much liability out there in uh, in Vegas or elsewhere over South Carolina at 200 to one tickets? No, I'm I'm not hearing much at all. Uh, yeah, and I even think a lot of people took Marquette to win that first that that first game in their bracket. So, yeah, I don't think the books mind at all that that South Carolina was 200 to one, 200 to one, and and not hearing that many people took them at all. Uh, we're talking to John Campbell. Okay, let's go to the opposite side. We've got North Carolina, the perennial blue bud program that's always in the Final Four, going up against Oregon, a team that hasn't been there since 1939. I think that the most recent number I saw was that uh, that North Carolina is around a five or five and a half point favorite. What do you expect to see in this one? Yeah, North Carolina minus five. The total opened at 148 and is now up to 152, and I think that's moving the right way. I think I think North Carolina just has too much inside for Oregon, and I think they're going to 
work the ball inside as much as they can. So I kind of like uh, props for um, as well for, for Hicks and Meeks to each go over 12 and 12 and a half points because I just think North Carolina is going to beat them up inside. They're the number one rebounding team in the country as well, and, and I don't think Oregon's going to be able to, to keep up. I think this is where we really see the lots of Chris Boucher hurt Oregon. So I, I think we might have an all-Carolina final here with North Carolina and South Carolina. That would be amazing. Um, I'm curious here too. Next week is the Masters. The, the, obviously, Dustin Johnson is the favorite at five to one. He's been on a roll ever since he won the, the U.S. Open at Oakmont. How much gambling numbers do you see? Is golf growing? You know, in terms of the number of people who say that they're betting on individual golfers, because I tend to see on my Twitter feed a lot of interest from guys in saying, "Okay, you know what the the." the season is basically over right for a lot of gamblers you might gamble on the nba but people dive in for the ncaa tournament it's almost like they need to get a hit after all of nfl and uh, and college football is done and then i feel like a lot of people just love the masters and want to put money in on a golfer or a couple of golfers is that very popular in what you see have you seen that growing over the years yeah definitely and and especially with with uh these big guys kind of coming through and and uh bringing so much popularity to the game. I think a lot of people are playing DFS, uh, playing golf games on, on DFS, and that's kind of maybe the one sport where that translates over into golf as well. The Masters is obviously the most popular event of the year, uh, certainly in North America. So you, we are seeing more and more action, and we're seeing that those favorites odds get worse and worse uh, as a result because people love to take uh, take the favorites here. So it is getting more popular. All sports are getting more popular, but uh, golf's one of those ones where I really think you can make money if you study, if you look into the numbers. Uh, PGA has some awesome data. You can really make money at golf if you pay attention. You know who loves to gamble more than any other professional athletes? Golfers. They absolutely yeah. love to gamble on other sports, everything else. Uh, they are no all question. in. I appreciate the time, John Campbell. Uh, have a good rest of the week. Good luck on those final four picks. Thanks a lot, Clay. You too. That is John Campbell from Odd Shark. You can check out his stuff at oddshark.com. Lots of gambling and informational-related information there. I am Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage. You guys hear that a guy got eaten by a snake? It's real life. I'm going to tell you about it next on Fox Sports Radio. I want to tell you all about my friends at AutoZone. Enter the AutoZone Rev Up Your Refund Instant Win Game and Sweepstakes for a chance to win thirty grand or other prizes. No purchase necessary. Ends 4 17 Must be 18+. Visit AutoZoneTaxTime.com. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Everybody got issues. Maybe your day hasn't gone perfectly. Maybe your boss sucks. Maybe you're getting divorced. Maybe your kids are awful. Somebody's got something going on in their life that ain't perfect. No matter who you are, we're trying to make your day a little bit better. And one way you can think about the fact that your day is better is no matter how bad your day is going, unlike my boy Akbar here, you didn't just get eaten by a python. This is a real story. I didn't believe it was real. I am a snakist. People sometimes say I'm racist, sexist, whatever else. That's not really true. I am a snakist. I hate snakes. I don't like snakes. I would be perfectly fine if snakes didn't exist. People are always like, oh, you got to make sure we protect all the endangered species. If there were no snakes, I'd be perfectly fine with it. I don't know what that means. More rats. I don't know what I don't know what would happen to the, the the general flow of animal life if there were no snakes. But I would be fine with it. And I bet Akbar would be fine with it in retrospect if he were still alive. Rest in peace, Akbar. This actually happened. This is the opening line to a sentence in the BBC world. The New York Times has now written about it. You can actually see the video. 
if you want to see a video that's unbelievable. Here's the opening sentence. Indonesian police say a farmer has been eaten by a python, which was later cut open to retrieve the man's body. The 25-year-old was seemingly attacked and swallowed at a palm oil plantation near his village in West Sulawesi. I'm not sure where that is. I'm not going to be honest with you. Not that great as geography. I know Indonesia exists. I could not sure that I could point to it on a map, but I'm definitely not going to go there now. Uh, here's what happened. The python ate this dude, and they saw a python in this village after this guy disappeared, and they couldn't figure out where he was. And this is an un- I mean, this video is is flat out unbelievable. They said that they recognized that he might be in the python because they could see his boots inside of the python, and they also heard screaming from the woods, but they just dismissed it. Well, that seems kind of like a rough day. This dude, Akbar, he got eaten. You can watch the video of this snake being cut open and see. No, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. There's a lot Stop of people it. looking around their Stop cars it, right Danny. now. Stop it. There are a lot of people right now that are terrified of snakes already, and this just confirms. The, I don't know. Open around the horn discussion. Is there a worse way to die than being eaten by a python. Now, some of you out there who are really specific might say, oh, he wasn't eaten by the python. He was first strangled to death by the python and then eaten. Well, by God, it doesn't seem very good to get strangled to death by a python either because that's a slow death, right? I'm not an expert on python stranglings, but if a snake gets you, the way the python works, the way the anaconda works is it slowly strangles the life out of you. So for a substantial amount of time, when that snake has you, you are aware that you are being strangled to death by a python. I'm not sure there's a worse way to die. I'm not sure there's a worse way to be killed by an animal than strangled to death by a python. And then, adding to the indignity of it, somehow the python got this man inside of him. That is, the python ate the man. I hope he was dead by the time he was getting eaten. But if you weren't dead already, then that's got to be even worse. You're still maybe just hanging on to the life. I I can't think of a worse way to die than to be strangled to death by a python and then have it eat you. Jason Martin, worse way to die than being eaten by a python. Just like murder and racism, I hate snakes more than you and everybody else. If there's one thing I am afraid of, it is indeed snakes. I do not want snakes to be involved in my passing. I don't want them to be involved in my living. I don't want to read about them. I don't want to see photos about them. I cannot possibly imagine slow motion strangling by a python knowing that I'm going down to that. And then, well, I guess he didn't know he was going to be eaten, but that's just hideous. Like, the story is enough to make me turn my mic off, just drive home, give up my trip to Orlando. I'm not doing anything. Like you I'm can actually inside, watch this snake be cut open no, and go- see the dude's body inside on YouTube. This isn't like a made-up thing. Danny G. Robert, can you think of a worse way to die than being strangled to death by a python? How about a couple of crocodiles pulling you apart? Don't don't agree because it happens. Hate. Haters gonna hate my, my boy. <laughs> my very well done. My boy down there in uh, in 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 uh, Australia can tell you that you can, one, attempt to fight off a uh, crocodile, 
right? Like you can fight off a crocodile. I don't know how many people have started to be strangled by a python. I don't think you can get away. I think once the unless you have a weapon, once the python gets a hold of you, it's just going to get tighter and tighter. So I think it's 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 like going into quicksand where you're aware suddenly that you can't get out of it, and you're just slowly watching yourself descend into it. I I, I stop with the, stop with the snake stuff. Daddy. I think it's the worst single way to die because crocodiles ripping you apart happens fast. Like it's at least really quick. A shark attack happens fast. It's not like one minute you're fine, and then the shark over the period of you know whatever it is. I don't. How long did it take him to strangle him to death? 45 minutes, 30 minutes. I don't have any idea, but that's a long time. I'm not sure there's a worse way. Proving this is the best sports talk radio show in America, I'm going to open up the phone lines now. Is there a worse way to die than being strangled by a python? Can you come up with a worse way to die? 877-996-6369. Our boy Akbar, not the Admiral, not the Admiral from Star Wars who's still alive. Our boy Akbar's dead. Rest in peace, Akbar. Is there a worse way to die? 887 887- now, 877-996-6369. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. Final hour of the show, hour one, if you were just waking up across the country, was Lane Kiffin. You're going to want to go listen to that on podcast. It is fantastic. Lane Kiffin was with me for almost all of hour one, the new FAU football coach. Big news in the world of sports at the Warriors. They're better than maybe even we thought they were. Dominate the Spurs last night after getting down by 22 points. They come surging back, get the win. They basically have locked up home court advantage throughout the NBA playoffs. They have a three and a half game lead over the Spurs with seven to go. That, my friends, is what you call insurmountable, especially because six of those games, I believe, are at home at Golden State. The Warriors may be better this year than they were last year, even without Kevin Durant. And guess what? Kevin Durant is getting healthy again, and he is shortly going to be back. So back-to-back wins over what I think are the second and the third best teams in the NBA, over the Rockets on the road, and then over the Spurs on the road, both of them without any time off. That, my friends, is pretty impressive. The Warriors' home field advantage, home court advantage, throughout the NBA playoffs now. We'll see whether or not the Cavs can continue their collapse. I don't think it matters. The Warriors are going to win. More crazily, we have dived into a really amazing story. A man was eaten by a python in Indonesia. I asked you on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. Follow me. Why wouldn't you be following me? What are you doing with your life otherwise? Is being strangled to death by a python and then eaten the worst possible way to die 54% of you are saying no. It's almost 50-50, hundreds of votes rolling in. And I said, if you can beat being strangled to death by a python and then eaten as this poor 25-year-old villager by the name of Akbar in Indonesia was, again, you think you're having a rough day. Maybe things aren't going perfect in your life. Akbar had it worse. He got strangled to death by a python and then eaten. And then they cut open the body of the python and took his body out of the inside, except he was dead. It's not a miraculous life story. It'd be really miraculous if he was still alive. I'm opening up the phone lines. Worst way to die, I think it's Akbar. I think Akbar has found the worst way to ever die in the history of humans. 877-996-6369. Let's go to J.D. in Fort Myers. J.D., what's up? Hey, uh, man, I absolutely love your show. Uh, 
you and Cowherd make my day. Um, Appreciate that. Uh, um, me and my wife, we just got back from Colorado, and we had this. This is one of those post dispensary conversations that we had because of worst way to die. Now, I'll tell you what, that snake, I'll take my chances with that snake. Uh, the teeth aren't that bad. They're the kind of hooking. You know, they're not going to shred you apart, don't have any claws. I'm a fairly decent-sized guy. I'll take, I'll take the python. Not going to touch the crocodile. Definitely won't take any lions or tigers. But my fear is there was this, I think it was called Deep Blue. Some scuba divers got dropped off in the middle of the ocean, and they sat oh, there for yeah. days. Oh, yeah. I watched that movie. I mean, and I just, that just messed with my head ever since. I won't go scuba diving ever again. Uh, yeah, thanks. Just, I mean, I just can't. Yeah, thanks I, for the call, JD and Fort Myers. You know, I watched that movie. I watched that movie, and I've I've been I lived in the Caribbean for a while, so I've done a lot of snorkeling. When you snorkel, people can see you above the top of the water. And that and that movie was it called Open Water? I don't remember exactly what that movie was called, but a uh, a husband and a wife, or it's like a guy and his girlfriend, or whatever. That's open water, yeah. Where they get left behind, right? Yeah, where they're just chilling in the water by themselves. Oh, the it's fear an awful drowning. Movie. His, his fear is drowning. I don't think he ever got the word out, but yeah, that, that would be terrible. Dr- I don't think drowning would be that bad. I mean, I don't think drowning would be good. I think it would it'd stink to drown, but again, it doesn't take that long. Like, you go underwater, and most people are going to drown in a couple of minutes at most, right? You run out of, you run out of air. The, the being left behind, I think, is worse than drowning because you either you're going to drown or you're going to eventually get eaten by a shark or whatever's going to happen, like you're going to get tired. But it's the long psychological recognition that death is imminent. I don't think it's quite as bad as getting eaten by a python, but th- that could take longer. That's pretty bad. Jamie in Evansville. Jamie, what's up? How you doing, Clay? I'm excellent. Hey, uh, I'm a uh, ball python breeder. Uh, not too far from you, so I can help you face your fears there. All right, but, hold on. Uh, Will you just breed snakes? How do you breed a snake? Well, uh, they breed snakes once a year, periodically. Uh, like I just started my breeding season here recently, so I pair my males up with my females. Uh, once they lock up, I take the males out, move them to another female, and then uh, here in a couple of months, I'll start uh, laying eggs, and i got an incubator and... Uh, Take them to reptile shows. Uh, matter of fact, been there to Nashville to a couple reptile shows there. So, so how many snakes you do you have? There. Like, where do you keep them? Uh, I've got a snake room in the house uh, right now. I've got roughly. I'm a small reptile breeder. I've got roughly about fifty-five ball oh pythons. God. You have fifty-five uh, snakes in your house. Than what you're referring to, what you're referring to is probably a Burmese python. I haven't seen the article or uh, read it, but um, you know, ball pythons usually only get uh, uh, four to five foot long. Well, wait, you have 55 snakes in your house? Yes, yes. My wife Jamie, you should be snakes. in jail. Do you have kids? Oh, yeah, i got two daughters. How old are they? And they help me. 14 and 12. So have the snakes ever, do you have any dangerous snakes or just pythons? I mean, like, I know pythons are dangerous because they just ate my poor boy Akbar here. But, I mean, do you have any, like, any more dangerous snakes in terms of, like, rattlesnakes or cobras? No, I don't or... deal with any poisonous snakes, but I... I... But on a, on a side note, it wouldn't take you very long, just a couple of minutes uh, for a uh, ball python, or not a, uh, not a ball python, but a Burmese python to uh, constrict you and, and die. It would only take, it'll literally only take a couple of minutes before you'd be gone. So how, and this is terrifying to me, I've actually got chills asking this question. How does the snake grab you the first time? Right? Like, so well, it, where does it usually do is, grab you? How does it get, get a hold of you? Yeah, a constrictor will 
first take, well, first bite, but then whenever they bite, they're just using that to kind of catapult itself to where it's going to wrap around its, its prey, say. So, for example, I feed rats. So it's going to initially grab the rat with its mouth, but it, and as quick as you can see it, it's then going to wrap around its body, and it's going to start constricting, and it's just going to have, and it depends on how big the snake is, obviously, but it's going, uh, you know, going to keep tightening up, tightening up until it loses, um, so it can basically strangle it, per se. All right, so if the snake grabbed you, what defense mechanism could you have to avoid, like, the snake's sleeper hold, for lack of a better a better description? How could you escape, a po- without a weapon in your hand, how could you escape a python if he grabbed you and started to try to ens- ensnare you? Well, you'd be pretty much probably screwed. You, I don't think you'd be able to do anything. They, they've got so much. They would have so much power. But so once Akbar got once Akbar got once bit, he was done for. Years. Once our boy Akbar got bit, he was done for. Oh yeah, he was done for. If he didn't have anybody there to help him. Oh my God. Thanks for the call. And by that the dude way, needs to be in jail. He's breeding snakes. snakes. We don't need more snakes in this world. Or the Jim sound in Wash- Is this Jim in D.C. or is this Jim in Washington State? Washington I don't know. State. Stop, stop, stop with the snakes stuff. Jim in Washington, what's up? Is Jim not try there? Try that again. Jim, you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, good deal. What's up, Jim? Hey, I think piranhas might be pretty bad. Yeah, I see a lot of people reacting on Twitter, but I don't think piranhas are as bad because I think it would happen fast again. Like, piranhas devour yeah. you really quickly. Yeah, but if they started your feet and worked up, be like a beaver chewing on a tree. <laughs> I appreciate that. I've read about piranhas. I don't trust animals. This is one of, the, one of my things. Like, everybody else out there, like, oh, I love animals. I think animals actually want to kill us all. Do you see the story about the, the spiders? They could eat us all to death if they wanted to. I still to? haven't gotten over that story yet. Yeah, that's true story. And so I'm not a believer. You know, some people are like, oh, animals are great. Like, I love dogs and cats. Like, no, I'm not. I don't think so. Uh, I'm okay. I like people. I'm not an animal person. And I'm certainly not a snake person. Let's go to Cody in Atlanta. Cody, what's up? Hey, man. I get, have you ever seen any of those ISIS videos, like, uh, where they torture people, torture people? You just sit around uh, and watch ISIS videos? Uh, dude. Hate those guys, but anyway, if what, what about? Have you ever seen the guys that get locked in the in the cage and they light the the fire and it tracks all the way to the cage and then the guys are just on fire in the cage and they die? I think getting burned is probably up there. Uh, I haven't. I don't watch this stuff. Like, there, remember that there used to be those videos called "Faces of Death" or whatever. Oh yeah. And the yes. people who were going to go to jail for being like sadist would sit around. They'd be like, "Oh, watch this guy die." Like, I don't have any interest in extreme legitimate violence. Like, I, I'm not, like, that. That all that stuff just kind of makes me queasy. Now, if it's entertainment, you know, if Game of Thrones is violent and somebody gets their arm chopped off or something, like, that doesn't bother me because I know it's not real. Real violence bothers me, and I think that burning to death would be awful, but my understanding is most of the time in those situations, you would, you would like, kind of lose control of yourself pretty quickly, right? Um, and so, and or you die of, for instance, smoke inhalation. Like most people who die in in fires, do not die from the flames themselves. They pass out due to smoke inhalation, and they're already out of touch by the time that they are actually burned. And it would be awful to be burned. There's no doubt at all about that. But again, it's the recognition of the fact. Like Akbar there got attacked by the python, 
and then he slowly was strangled to death, and then the python ended up eating him. If you're wondering, good by the way, good morning. Welcome to the West Coast. Guy got eaten by a snake. Your day's not so bad. Uh, I am Clay Travis. We will take a few more of these calls. I think in a crazy transition, we're going to go to Jason Whitlock at the bottom of the hour, but i got to hear back from him. He is waking up on the West Coast, and uh, we will continue to uh, take your calls, 877-996-6369. You want to go download the podcast. I don't know that anybody's gone from interviewing Lane Kiffin for an hour to talking about getting strangled to death by a snake today. In fact, they probably won't, which is why we're the best in the business. There's big-time pros here. 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And talking about bad ways to die. You know a bad way to die? Get hit by a train because that's your fault. In fact, if you think a train will stop, if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right. It will about a mile after it hits you. Stop. Trains can't. 877-996-6369. We're making the world a better place. You can reach out on Twitter if you can't get through loaded lines. You think you have a rough morning. Maybe you're just waking up on the West Coast where it is presently 530 in the morning. Maybe you're just waking up on the East Coast where it's presently 830 in the morning. Maybe you're driving into a crappy day at work. Maybe you're driving into a crappy day at school. Maybe your kids are mad at you. Maybe you hate your parents. Maybe college is more expensive than you expected, and you just got an F on a test. All of those things are not good. But you know what? They're better than getting eaten alive by a python, which happened to our boy Akbar in the country of Indonesia where he was trying to harvest palm oil. I don't know what palm oil is, but harvesting palm oil does not sound like the kind of job I want to have. One moment, he's a happy Indonesian 25-year-old harvesting palm oil. The next moment, a python attacks him, strangles him to death, and then eats him. So, however bad your day might be, however unfortunate your life might feel at this exact moment, it is not actually that bad because you are not being strangled to death and eaten by a python, which I did think initially was the worst possible way to die. But now, I think it has to be actually something worse. I think it has to be getting buried alive. Lots of calls rolling in. Jason Martin, who's next on the call list? Mike in Ohio. Mike in Ohio is up next. Mike, what's up? Hey, good morning, Clay. How about uh, running over a hole of bees or running into a hive of bees and they come after you? See, I don't. the bee thing doesn't scare me, and I appreciate the call. And I've been, you know, a, a while back, if you remember correctly, I was outside in Florida. This was right after Christmas. And I was trying to pee outside, and I stood on a pile of fire ants. And I tweeted out a picture of what happened to me where I was peeing outside in Florida. And you would have thought I almost died. I really thought for a minute lesser man would have died of fire ant attacks. I mean, I was torn up. There were fire ant attacks all over my legs. You guys saw this. I mean, like, I tweeted out a picture, and people just recoiled in horror. I, a lesser man would have died of fire ant attack. Clay, and I, you saw that picture. Yeah, I did. And in fact, that's why this caught my attention a few minutes ago. Driver ants from Africa, they've killed animals and people while sleeping. They find any opening they can, including your mouth and nose, which wakes the victims up. 
but the victims are said to die from asphyxia after the ants crawl into your lungs. Where's this? Africa. Driver ants. Oh, my God. That is... I've seen that in The Mummy, but I thought it was made up. No, that's real. They're uh, Siafu, S-I-A-F-U, the Siafu ant, also known as the driver ant. Africa's a dangerous place, man. You would think when you laid down somewhere on the African savanna, I hope a tiger doesn't kill me. Uh, Tigers are in Asia, I guess. I hope a lion doesn't kill me tonight. And you would think at least I'm on the ground here, and if it's not going to be a killer snake or something, I'll be safe. And then you wake up, and an ant has strangled you to death by running into your mouth. See, your life's not so bad. Tom in Nashville. What's up, Tom? Clay, let me tell you, it's wonderful to hear you back on the radio waves here in Nashville. When I when I rediscovered you, I've been listening every morning since. Well, I appreciate um, that. Yeah, man. My, uh, my fear, worst way of dying would be trapped under a thin layer of ice. Just thick enough to where you couldn't break it, but thin enough to where you could see air on the other side. I just think that would be a, a, a short but just horrifying way to death. Almost like being buried alive, but a little bit e- faster. Even worse, because it's daylight. That's intriguing. You know what? That is awful. And that's like the ice fisherman stuff. Like, you get you're, like, pulling out of a fish or whatever, and then you fall in. Next thing you know, like, you can't find the hole to get out of the ice. That would be pretty awful. That's worse than drowning, I think, because you're so close to not drowning, right? It's not like you're 100 feet deep. That's pretty awful, and you're just trying to desperately find the hole in the ice so you can breathe again. That's pretty awful. See, that would be pretty bad. I read recently a really great article this is pretty fascinating. Did you know there are certain places in the world where the the ice freezes on, like, the ocean, right? The ice freezes across the top of the ocean because it's so cold. But there are tides as well. And when the tides run out, they leave behind the frozen ice above. And there are people who will cut a hole into the ice, and they go underneath and they go gather all the mussels and everything else that they eat underneath the ice while the tide is out. How unbelievable is that? It's a pretty cool concept. I never would have thought about it before. The ice can freeze on a really cold ocean, and you dig a hole and you go underneath, and there's basically a cavern there beneath the ice where the water used to be, and you go grab all this, you know, the mollusks and all the, the, the oysters, all the other sundry Seafood, pretty amazing. That's not dying. That's pretty cool. I'm trying to balance out the death from Python or the death from buried underneath the ice with a happier thought. Scott, New York, what's up? Scott, what happened to Scott? He vanished. Poor Scott, vanished forever. All right, um, we will finish off the show and tell you why the Warriors are going to absolutely win the uh, win everything. I will go ahead and set the, t- the, the table for the rest of uh, the week's shows, and I will tell you more about the Lane Kiffin interview in Hour 1 that you guys might have missed and that you need to definitely go check out on the podcast if you get a chance. All of that is going to come in the near future. In the meantime, we got some podcast stats, Robert. Yes, we do, Clay. Now, it's not as exciting as a guy dying eating by a python or 
falling into a icy grave. But let me tell you, if you have reason to live, it's for this show. And they definitely have reason to live here in the UK where they are dominating the international download poll. So we, we've taken over in the England. third place person, yes. Where are we most popular now overseas? UK. Yep. Japan. Yep. New England making a strong surge once again back up the rankings. You mean New Zealand? Sorry, yeah, New Zealand, my bad. New England is still in the United States hey. unless we kick them out. I don't we'll, know. I mean, we'll, the Patriots are kind of annoying, <laughs> so I'm okay with that if we need to. And then uh, Nigeria and Guam. Jamaica, which was doing pretty well, as soon as we gave them love on the show, they kind of fell off a bit. I think Jamaica was all spring break. I think it was all spring break college kids going down to Jamaica, downloading the show, and sitting around drinking, smoking weed, and listening to the show. I definitely think that's what was going on there. So we're number one in England, number two in Japan, and number three in New Zealand. Yes, sir. Well, that's kind of interesting. It definitely is. fascinating. Go download the podcast. I guarantee you're going to love the first hour with Lane Kiffin. And honestly, this is probably the best hour of Sports Talk Radio anywhere in the country. This hour, talking about the worst ways to die. At least you're not Akbar. Remember, I'm trying to make the world a better place. Don't get hit by a train. Don't get strangled to death by a python. I'm Clay Travis. Listening, You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Final segment of the day coming up next here on the best sports talk anywhere in the universe on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. See, we're alive. Could be worse. We're live right now. We're all live. Drive the new Duralast GT brake pads. Unlike our boy Akbar, proven tough from the tracks to the streets and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Tons of responses on Twitter. You can go find me at Clay Travis. Go follow me. Read some of these uh, responses. Pretty fantastic. Puke Pot says, worst way to die, be in a car wreck with Mike and Mike on the radio. Maybe get hit by a train with Mike and Mike on the radio. All I'm going to say is, so far, OutKick listeners, not dying from trains. Not saying the NHTSA should spend all of their money trying to get people not to get killed by trains by calling me. But I am saying it would make a lot of sense. Mike and Mike listeners getting killed left and right, driving into trains. My listeners not getting killed. Marco in California, what's up? Oh, my God. Marco, I just got hit by a train. Nope, I'm here. Okay, good. Oh, my God. Caller's right. been having a good, pretty good performance there. Let's put him on pause for a minute. No, he's gone. What happened? I mean, again, I, it, it is amazing to me, but you called us, right? It would be different if I just said, okay, Jason Martin, just start calling some random numbers. And then people weren't prepared to talk when we went to them. We have loaded lines. We're rolling through. I try to get to as many people as I possibly can. I'm going to get to you fast. That's my plan. If we're taking calls, the reason people say, well, sometimes you let people talk a long time. Sometimes you don't. If we have a ton of people on the line and you're boring, then I'm going to get off you quick because I want to move on. I want to get as much possible interaction with the show as we possibly can. You called me. You should be ready to talk. The other thing is assume that I'm good. I appreciate the fact that you care, but assume that I am doing well. Jason Martin, Danny G. Robert, have I ever come on the air and said, you know what, I'm doing really crappy today? I don't think Not I've done well. that. One day. What day? What day? When did I say that? Remember was when I, you I was, were sick and you when had to I was keep actually out? sick? Yeah, like here. Yeah, it was. It was a rough day. Like you had the trash can with you right there. I threw up during chair. the show. I haven't yes. missed a day. I've never missed a day of radio for being sick in my radio career. Now I've thrown up 
during commercial breaks before and come back to do it. Now, not going. it doesn't mean I'm not going to miss a day for being sick, but I have never missed a day of radio for being sick in my radio career. I have thrown up during commercial breaks. I've stifled down throw up during live segments. Never had an issue. I think on that day I did say, you know what, I'm sick. At any moment I might throw up on air. That's when you got to listen to the radio. Remember the uh, national championship game? You guys broadcasted the morning after the game. Mm-hmm. I've done the show three times uh, without sleeping. Yeah, it is sounded like a train almost ran over the two of you, and you still <laughs> both did the show. I've done the show three times without sleeping since we started in September because we start so early in the morning. I did the show after not sleeping after the Chicago Cubs won game seven because that game went into extra innings and it lasted so long. And I was like, screw it. I'm not even going to bother going to sleep after this. I did the show with Jason Martin really without sleeping after the Alabama-Clemson game because we didn't get back to the hotel till like, what, 2.30 that morning yes. or something, Jason? Yes. Um, and then we had to get up and do the show, obviously, early. And then I was all geeked up, and I wrote about the game and everything else. So I, I did it then. And also the Donald Trump, the day of the, uh, of the Donald – actually, four times now. I did it the day of the Donald Trump election because I, I couldn't believe that I was seeing what I actually was seeing. And I don't think he came out to talk – that night till like 2 a.m. in the morning, and then I was like, screw it. i got to be up at 4. Uh, I'm not going to go to sleep tonight. And then I did the night that we did Vegas, um, the Thursday before the NCAA tournament. I didn't sleep that night either. So I've done the show four times without sleeping at all. Just go straight through. That's tough to do because you don't sleep at all, and then you go do a three-hour show, and everybody dissects every word you say. Your brain's kind of fried. That's tough. But I did it. Chris in Houston, if you don't, if you're not ready to go, Chris, it's going to be a real downfall after that pep talk. Chris in Houston. Hey, Clay. Yes, Clay. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Really quick, two points. Y'all were talking about bear attacks earlier, so I just want to call in and say I was always taught growing up that the way to protect yourself from bears is you have to make yourself look large. So, all right, so Clay, you're a big guy. If you ever encounter a bear, you have to spread your legs out and put your arms out wide because your best defense mechanism is trying to intimidate it. See, this, is different than, this is different than the bear advice I was giving. And we're on nationwide now, and a lot of people are going to potentially be facing bears later today, and they're going to be thinking, Chris in Houston told me <laughs> that i got to make myself large, and Clay Travis told me that i got to pretend that I'm dead, and it's hard to pretend, it's hard to make yourself large while also pretending to be dead. So we've given contradictory advice about what to do in a bear attack situation. Right, just stay, just stay away from bears, all right? Point, point, point taken. All You're right, safe in Houston, uh, yeah. Right. So the, the, the worst way to die, uh, I always fear the element of surprise being in the water. So I say in the water, getting stung by a stingray in a pee hole, and then later getting infected. That's the way to go. Oh, pee hole infection. Oof. Wow. That's really specific. I guess of all the places you could be infected, your pee hole is the worst if you're a man. I'm trying to think. Finger, not so bad. Toe. I mean, people die all the different kinds of ways. But if any body part could be infected... God, yeah, the pee hole's the worst place. That's, I mean, I would be pretty bad. Be, yeah, it would I would stink be to pretty be going, awful. Yeah, be, it would be stink to go blind, but the pee hole would be bad. That's a really specific place to get infected. I'm just, I'm more concerned about our con- contradictory bear advice, to be honest. I, I know that, that we need it. Like, I'm, I'm convinced that we were saving people's lives from the train, but what if I'm just saving people's lives from the train only to lead them astray and they're going to confront a bear and we just gave contradictory bear advice? We literally had Chris call in and say the exact opposite advice to what I said. 
Clay, if you're listening to iTunes to the podcast in India, it doesn't matter. They have what's called the sloth bear. It mauls at least one human per week in India. It doesn't like humans. In fact, the way it kills people, it tears. It'll tear your face off. What is this? A sloth bear. I don't think that a bear. A sloth bear. Yeah. I don't think that's a real thing. Yeah, it is. Look at it. I up. think I, I think that this is like a Stranger Things creation. You just you just got you got you got faked out. No. Nope. I will say this: the pee hole infection. You know that in the Amazon there is a fish called the toothpick fish. And when you pee into the Amazon River, that fish will swim up your urine stream and it goes into your penis. And it lives there. And it will eventually kill you. That's a pretty awful way to die. But again, it's slow moving. Man, I'm just baffled, obviously. And if you're wondering what in the world happened, well, you can go back and listen to the podcast. I was trying to make everybody happier by pointing out that not everybody's getting killed by pythons today. So we can't be having that rough of a day. And boy, that's rough. Jason Martin, what did you just say? I lost your uh, I lost your comment here. You you've looked up deaths. Yes, I've, no, I've looked up how to survive a bear attack. Yeah, how do to you try survive? and help people actually yeah. do it correctly? Does it depend on the type of bear that's attacking you? Or it, ca- it kind of does. Uh, okay, a so that might be why we have that might be why there's contradictory advice. Okay, what well, have you got for us? Bill Schneider, who is sort of an expert on this, says if it charges, stand your ground. Most charges actually just bluffs to scare you off. If it doesn't stop, use pepper spray once it's in range. If yeah. you don't have that, or make loud it. noises yeah. and Bill wave Schneider. your arms. But Bill Schneider's like, if you got pepper spray, use it. Yeah, and if you also if you have a gun, fire it as many times well, as you can. Well, I'm getting past that. It says if you don't have any pepper spray, make loud noises, wave your arms before it makes contact, and aggressively fight it off with everything you have. So it's basically saying get yourself large. So it's doing the exact opposite of what I said. Why did I think playing dead was the way to go with bears? I don't know. I've read you're somewhere that you're supposed to play dead if you're a ba- if you get attacked by a bear. I've heard the exact opposite of what Bill Schneider just said, and also what our caller from Houston said. I feel well, like what's your my, source? I don't know my source. My source is that I read it. It's not like I just made it up. It's not like I'm just sitting around like, oh, I think this is what I would do with the bear. You sure, a bear? You sure a bear didn't write your source? I'm confident that a bear was not the source for what to do when a bear attack. You're not supposed to fight it, in my opinion. I'm sorry if I'm wrong and you get killed by a bear today. That wasn't my intent. Make sure that you don't get killed by a train. Go download the podcast. We need all the listeners we got. Be back live tomorrow. I'm Clay Travis. Don't get eaten by a python either here on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.